1: It's Avery Carl, and I wanted to give you guys a quick reminder about something that I don't think I've done a good enough job of keeping you aware of. So I get a lot of emails from y'all every week, and I love getting emails from you, by the way. I love talking to our listeners, and a lot of them are asking for real estate agent recommendations in different markets, and what I don't think I've done a good job of is making sure that you guys are aware that The Short-Term Show is actually a subsidiary of The Short-Term Shop, which is the largest short-term rental specific real estate team brokered by eXp. I have to say that or I get in trouble in the country. So we have offices in 12 of the top short-term rental markets in the country. And we are here to help you purchase your first, second, third, or 10th short-term rental. And if you buy with us in any of those markets, we have a whole back-end training program where we will teach you everything you need to know about managing your short-term rental remotely. Everything from setting up your Airbnb and VRBO listings to teaching you how to use all the property management software that you'll need, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners and handymen. And we have some awesome Facebook support communities that we want you guys to be a part of where we all share ideas and information about managing our short-term rental, which short-term rentals, which markets are the best, uh, what we're doing next, and all of that really fun stuff. So if you want to be a part of the short-term shop community, if you want to buy a house with us, we really want to help you guys. So head on over to theshorttermshop.com and click schedule a consultation. We'll see you there. Hey guys, just a quick reminder that if you have not signed up for the short-term shop summer summit that is happening Friday, June 17th at noon Eastern, it is completely free and we will have a panel of experts that you can ask all of your short-term rental questions from state of the market to how to run a short-term rental to how to find a short-term rental, bring all of your questions because we will have the experts there to answer them for you. If you haven't signed up yet, you can sign up at STS, as in short-term shop, Summersummit.com. So that's STS, Summersummit.com, Friday, June 17th at noon east. We look forward to seeing you there. Hey, short-term shoppers. Welcome back. Today, we have Chandra Lacey. I'm really, really excited to interview her. I guess I'm really, really excited to interview everyone because I'm now hyper aware of saying I'm really, really excited. At the beginning of every show, I'm working on that. Uh, But really excited to have Chandra Lacey. She invests in a lot of different asset classes, several of which have not been talked about on the show yet. And she was able to go from zero to 90 doors over the course of nine months. So I'm really, really interested to get started. Hey, Chandra, how's it going?
0: Good morning. I am really, really, really excited as well. So (laughs) I hope our excitement generates everyone else to be really, really really excited.
1: That's the point, right? (laughs) (laughs) all right so tell us a little bit about yourself
0: hey well first off I want to say I'm a huge fan this avenue of real estate I call this my sexy business because I think it's just like the glamorous side it's one of my favorite things to do in my business portfolio is my short-term rentals so being able to talk about it is like is really 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 exciting for me so thanks so much for having me and I'm a I love your story so thank you again um, I want to just start out with saying how it all began for me and I am originally from Seattle and I was living in Texas and working in Texas for about five years and I had to literally flee that situation due to a domestic violence situation and I was married and a whole situation happened and I had just had my son he was a couple days old and i had a dot da- i had my daughter and we fled that situation and fortunately for me my parents took me in in their little 1200 square foot two bedroom two bath home with an office and we set up the kids in the office and basically hit rock bottom and the reason why or or i had to start my life over again not sure i would consider it rock bottom but starting my life over again And i like to point that out because one in three women are in a domestic violence situation, and so I'd like to share my story. Um, If you're out there and you're experiencing that, please, I'd love to talk with you or give you some resources, Um, and I'd like to just talk about that because here we are today talking about zero to 90 units in nine months and how that about six years ago happened in my life. So from that moment of being rock bottom, I was $40,000 in debt. I was in this situation. So what do I do? I go get my real estate license. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense, right? I go get my real estate license, but I always have this little inkling, this little drawing towards real estate. I've read the books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've read the the, um, different stories about how to manage money and real estate was always such a passion driven to mine. So why not start there? So I just started working in real estate. I partnered up with some of the best firms that were selling the most money. I didn't care. I had to drive two hours to go work at that real estate firm. I was going to go work there. And in that time working at that firm, I realized something very quickly that if you're not producing product in the market you're just in customer service and real estate was a customer service customer lead generation business for me um, and I realized very quickly I need to be producing that product that I'm then going to sell and that's where the line of revenue really started coming I used to work for Nike and I was managing one of those big Nike town stores and it was like 18 million dollars in revenue and, and 80 employees and it was great But I was in customer service. I was selling the Phil Knight product to all these people. And what's the difference between that and in real estate? So I knew that if I didn't just want to be a customer, I wanted to be producing product in the marketplace. That was so important. So I began to put a plan together to be able to flip houses. I knew that that's how I could produce uh, produce product. So I've got out my little notebook. And I put together this business plan and it was very simple. I'm a very visual person. I drew two pillars and I drew a pillar of real estate that said flipping houses and using other people's money to flip houses. And then on my other pillar, I wrote buy short, buy, buy, hold short-term rentals properties using that money. And I drew a bridge to uh, using the flip money, my income from that and using that to buy buy and holds. And that was my business plan. So I began to just execute. I went and I found a brokerage that was investment-minded. I began working auctions just to get my foot in the door of real of, of investment side of real estate. So I was out at the auction block every single week, and prior uh, prior to that week, I'd be out driving about 40 properties. Um, sometimes even a hundred properties. I mean, three days a week, I was driving all of these, all of these properties. And then I was comping them all, putting a package together and selling those to investors. And that's how I got my foot started and really started getting the ball rolling with how to comp properties, how to pitch it to investors and how to, to sell the, those products. So once I was able to, to produce enough income from that, I started working with investors and I started to flip my own properties and then began to partner with the right people, began to flip. About I started with one one property and then flipped a second, and I call it flipping college because you you, <laughs> I got to go to college for free is what I say. Didn't make any money on my first flip, but sure learned a lot. Um, and then began to flip more and more, and putting the pieces together. Um, to date, actually, we've we've hit about 40 flips to date, so that's very exciting. We have a very uh, uh, a turnover rate on our flips is pretty exciting and now because of that we've been able to buy um, over 90 doors as of currently right now we've hit about 125 doors so that's really exciting but we were able to scale so quickly in such a small period of time because of that business plan.
1: Well, I am so impressed. <laughs> so first, let's start at the beginning. Congratulations yep. on getting yourself out of that domestic violence situation. I know most women don't ever get out of that situation. So congratulations on getting yourself and your kids out of that situation and then being so successful on top of it. That really shows, it says a lot about your character. So congratulations on that.
0: Man, thank you so much. If there, if, I would always say that Talk to your friends because that statistic one in three is is almost challenging to hear, but talk to your friends, be open, and, um, and read signs and help those people.
1: Really, really great advice. So let's let's scoot on over to the real estate side of this. So I have so many questions that I don't even know where to start, but let's start with what do you have in your buy and hold portfolio currently?
0: Um, Currently, we have a plethora, we have a big portfolio. We have um, apartment buildings, and we have some of those apartment buildings that we actually run as short term rentals, Airbnbs. Um, And then we have single family homes. Um, We have about 30 single-family homes in the portfolio. Um, Some, again, are short-term rentals, and then we have mobile home parks. We have three mobile home parks um, which have all kinds of Mixed use. So one mobile home home park has over 30 doors on it, and then it has over 100 storage units on it, warehouses, RV parking. I mean, it's a mixed use space. Another mobile home home park um, is is kind of one of my favorites. Um, shh, don't talk. But <laughs> but I love it because it has um, it has about 25 doors on that mobile home park. Uh, that we manage, but then it has that cool um, camping element. So people can come camp there. They can come park their RVs there as well. So, and it overlooks this mountain and there's horses uh, out front of there too. So it's pretty cool little spot. So we have a very, very mixed, diverse portfolio, um, but it keeps us on our toes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, never really understood the value of having RV hookups like RV pads until we started RVing ourselves. So last year we did a month in our motorhome. We're about to do another one again here in about four or five weeks. And uh, there are times you think no matter how well you plan you're like, okay, I'm staying at this campground on this day and that campground on that day, things happen. You get delayed. You get stuck on I-40 in Memphis for three straight hours and don't make your your campground and you need to find a place to park that thing that is safe overnight. Mm-hmm. So you don't really think about it until you've done it. Oh yeah, people are going to rent this. Cause even if it's not like the beautiful campground with all of the amenities, people are going to get in situations where they need to stop and park overnight. And they don't always want to be like in a Walmart parking lot, which I have done because I could not find one. And I didn't sleep a wink cause I was sure somebody was coming in to get the kids at like any second. So right. um, that's a really interesting asset class to me. So let's talk about your let's zoom in on this mobile home park stuff for a minute because that's definitely a hot topic in real estate right now. Everybody and their mom and their dog wants a mobile home park. So how did you get into that? How'd you find one? What do you look for? Give us all those details.
0: Yeah. So I will say that building your network is probably the quickest way for you to achieve anything in real estate. This is a network driven Industry, especially uh, in the Puget Sound area. And now I'm growing my network nationally, and it has opened up so many doors. So, building your network is absolutely key to being able to find any deal, get open capital, whatever it is. So, I, when I was out doing those auctions back ago, it was about five years ago now. Now, now the auction market's dead because um, everyone's so much equity in their properties. But um, I was out there working, finding investors, which made me get on people's lists for networking events. And I was at everything. And through that network, I've just continued to build that network. I continue to be available for those that, that reach out to me or those that need something. Um, and I And one of my superpowers is connection. And so people reach out to me and I'm like, yes, I have a connection for you for that. So being able to build that network has now people call me and say, hey, I've got this deal. I'm not quite sure what to do with it. Or or here, I think this would be great for you. And they call me. So the first mobile home park came to me through that network. And this this company buys a ton of mobile home parks. And they said, this one's a little too small for us. Um, Would you like it? (laughs) I said, Sure, I'll take the one. And it happened to be the one in Montana. That's that huge storage unit, warehouse, RV, and that was too small for them. And um, I did the due diligence and worked that. And then that network has opened up. It's kind of like once you get your foot in the door, other doors start to open. And so that network began to open up other networks. And it is hard to get your foot in that door because these mobile home parks have been around for 40 years, and they don't have a ton of advertising and all this kind of stuff. So being able to connect with the right people has opened up doors. In fact, I am looking at one, probably getting another one under contract here in the next day or two, we're negotiating terms. So it's it's all about network on that for me. And it actually is for my business too. It's such a key piece to growing quickly, I feel.
1: It absolutely is, and that a really good point that you make is, or that you mentioned, is that uh, a connection that you made through you a smaller deal. So anytime you're getting into a new asset class, I know I've talked about going through it myself when we got into multifamily, is talking to investors who are further down the road than you are, and it's important not to get intimidated by that. So we talked to an investor who's buying, you know, 100 units and and really big properties. And it seemed like, it almost felt like, oh, well, I don't want to waste this person's time because they're so far ahead of me. But what ended up happening was they threw us a scrap. (laughs) They threw us a 12 unit that they wanted to sell so they could buy something bigger. And so we said, we'll take it. And then all of a sudden, our foot's in the door with these people as a serious buyer, because we did talk to them. and. They threw us a scrap. So, you know, if you can if you can get in with one of those bigger ones and and pick up a scrap or two, then your foot's now in the door as a serious buyer. And I think that's a really smart strategy
0: yeah and now i have um wholesalers or off-market guys um call me because they they are kind of getting their foot with this so one in north carolina where you are there they've never done one before and they were they're like i'm not quite sure what to do with it we're calling me to to work through negotiating terms so Really, just being available too, which is what I love that you said. We were available when that scrap came, or I'm available for anybody that's not quite sure what to do is key.
1: Totally. So let's switch gears for a minute. Let's talk about your flipping business. So you mentioned that you are using flips to fund your buy and holds, which I think is genius because so many people think you're either buy and hold or you're a flipper and that's it. There's nothing in between and there's no right or wrong way to do anything. Anything you can do to get that extra income so that you can become that buy and hold investor, I think is is smart. So talk to us a little bit about your flipping business.
0: Yeah. So I call flipping is feeding the beast. Um, we try to turn properties in three months, which has been extremely challenging over the last year and a half. It really caught up with us. Um, and so we're more at about a five month mark, um, but we flip houses. So we are constantly feeding the, the flipping market. And it goes back to the network. I have a huge network of wholesalers that bring me deals, probably looking at about ten deals a day. Um, sometimes up to twenty if they're nationwide, but about ten locally. And look at those deals. Put the lenders in place, um, investors and hard money lenders. They they source all or they fund all of those flip deals for me. I. Love my investor network. We use I. I work with everybody. I work with single moms, nurses, Amazon delivery people, teachers, anybody who wants to invest. And sometimes they're like Chandra, I don't have a ton of money, or I just put together ten thousand dollars. We love working with everybody because one of the the pillars of my company is that we grow our community. We help financially grow our community. So it doesn't matter. And that, that having that business principle really exploded the flipping business because now we've opened doors. We're not looking for the whale, although great. Yes, we do have a couple, but we're looking for every type of investor who just wants to get their foot in the door. So we were able to expand our flipping business quite, quite rapidly. And fortunately, in the Seattle market, the equity growth has just taken off crazy in the last five years. I know that the nation has caught up with that in about the last year and a half. And so we've been able to capitalize getting, you know, $100,000 over list price, $150,000 over list price, which then we literally do not take paychecks. We only take paychecks from our rental income, we roll all of that business into buying holds, and then we take rent. We pay, take paychecks only from that, and it's me and my business partner Daniel. He's amazing. He's fabulous, um, and that's that's who the we is. I want to clarify that, and that's that's the model. That's the principle, and it, it's it's been working, <laughs> and we're going to continue to feed the beast. So when
1: you're sourcing these investors and that's really cool that you don't have to be this big crazy inc- accredited investor to be able to invest with you. What would you say your minimum investment amount is if any?
0: We found that 10,000 is probably the best minimum. Anything less than that, they're not really seeing the returns on their cash that make a big impact. So, about 10,000 is the minimum, especially in the Seattle market when our average wholesale deal is running about 450 to 500 500, um, in, in, in outskirts of Seattle. So that we find is the minimum. Um, and now we have rolled so many investors up to, um, you know, they've doubled their money, tripled their money. Um, and we're trying to roll their investment three times a year is our goal. Two is awesome. So that's, that's our goal with investors. And that's kind of the minimum we found.
1: Okay. That sounds totally reasonable. Let's now switch gears because we only have so much time and we have a lot of stuff. I got a lot of stuff I want to cover with you. Let's talk about your short-term rentals. What do you have? Where are they? What's that look like?
0: Oh, man, this sexy business. This is fun. Okay, so one of my favorite stories is my very first rental property I bought was actually remote. It was about three and a half hours away and it was a condo. And I had been listening to these podcasts, getting all the great ideas from everybody, and they were talking about nurse rentals. And so I got on the, a, a website that did this, and I went, took my kids, and a U-Haul, and went with all this furniture we bought on Amazon, set up all this stuff. I got this really great reel on my Instagram showing us, um, setting up all the furniture, and then putting it on this nursing site. And I just shot for the stars. Average rent in that market was about eleven hundred, and I put it on this nurse site for fifteen fifty. Just shot for the shot for the stars here, and we got it. And then we continued to get it, and that was so exciting. As my first short-term rental property was this furnished nurse nurse, and we got it. And on my way home from renting out that property to that nurse, in that three-hour drive, I got this call from one of my wholesalers, and it was this lakefront property that I grew up on this lake. And he called me and he said, "Chandra, we've got this really, we've got this deal. Nobody wants it. It's this house on this lake. It's built on pillars. It's a mess." And I said, "I don't care what the price is. I'm buying it." And we, well, I do care, but <laughs> I knew there was potential. I bought this property for $425,000, put 150,000, uh, fix up into it. And this property just appraised for 975. And it is my best performing property in my short-term rental, uh, portfolio as an Airbnb, this property books out or short, short short-term vacation rental. It books out We are almost at about uh, 89% booking capacity, and it has just driven business. But what's exciting about it is me and my family get to go hang out on this lake for a week in the summertime. We get to go enjoy the hot tub in the wintertime on a weekend, and it's great. And it's so exciting to know that we went from this little tiny condo, driving back to it, to having one of my favorite vacation rental short-term properties.
1: So what lake is that on?
0: It's called Lake Stevens, and it's in Seattle. it's it's a little bit north of Seattle, Washington.
1: Lake markets are so different because there are so many of them throughout the country. So it's not just it's a lot different than beach markets or mountain markets or uh, national park markets. Like I grew up in Mississippi and we used to go to Smith Lake in Alabama all the time. And now I've seen three or four investors who are from really, really different parts of the country saying they're buying on Smith Lake. And I'm like, that's random. And they're doing well. So uh it's the the lake market, I think is definitely an untapped market for 2022 and 23, not Smith Lake, but the lakes, any lake in general, yeah. just because I think that they're very regional and um, you know, a lot of people are a lot of people go to lakes rather than the beach for like a shorter vacation. So I think the different lake markets are are something that has caught my attention in the past six to eight months so that's really cool that's good to hear another a lake success story
0: the exciting thing about the lake market and i'm so glad you brought it up is that a lot of people built their second vacation homes on these lakes maybe they were a little more remote they started building them in the 50s 60s 70s so now as with my flipper eyes i come in and i'm like wow i can renovate this property and turn it into a great family vacation property and there is what I look for is being able to add value like adding that dock for or and I really try to find motorized lakes that I feel like is key in Seattle not every lake is a motorized like motorboat and so I try to find a motorized lake and where I can maybe add a dock and now people can drop their boats for a week and they are set for vacation so you're you hit on something because it is an untapped market, even in those remote lakes, you can be the best prime real estate now just doing that burr strategy or, or fixing and, and, and renovating and refinancing out of a, of a lakefront property.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think lakefront properties are something to watch. So now I want to back up a little bit cuz you mentioned um nurse rentals. So how many of those do you have? we'll call them medium term rentals, yeah. corporate housing basically.
0: So actually my only uh, nurse is that still that one condo and I just increased rent on it again now in that 1750 just signed my next nurse um and we actually bought a fourplex about 20 minutes up the road from that condo that we're going to convert all into nurse housing in this market so knowing the market that needs it um we do have airbnbs by in, in some apartments i own by um by hot or uh, hospitals, excuse me, by hospitals that we have as Airbnbs, but we accept a longer term rental on those for nurses. And there's a couple things I love about the nurses. They are the best runners I have ever had. They're in a short-term month-to-month, month-to-month lease. They are the cleanest, easiest going runners in the books. And so they are Phenomenal, And we, like I said, we literally bought a fourplex just so we could have more nurse rentals. Um, and we have a fantastic Airbnb crew management crew, but this short-term nurse or professional renter is a huge new market that grew from COVID. And the more we can tap into it, we are trying to buy, buy, buy just for that.
1: I have a question about that. So where is that? That nurse property or corporate Mm -hmm. housing. So is that like in the metro, in the middle of the metro area of Seattle or is it kind of a
0: remote, more remote area? So the, that condo that I bought is actually about four hours or three and a half hours to the east. So it's in eastern Washington. And if you, if Washington is this really diverse area. And so we are in almost a remote area. But what is interesting is that per capita in this town is the, they make, they have the highest paid salaries in this town per person. Um, There is a nuclear plant that has no longer become a nuclear plant, but because of that, um, um, they have to maintain it. And all around it is all these professionals, super, super smart, Um, engineers, you know, all these super, super smart people that can pay tons of money. So I went in knowing that about this market, they have two of the best hospitals in Seattle in this remote or in in Washington, because like I said, it's really far away. Um, And and I went in there knowing that and they have not built new apartments or um, new short term, any kind of rentals in that market for about 25 years. So they are so far behind. So I just went in knowing that market, tested it, found it it's working, and now we're going to grow it more. So it is remote. It's totally remote. Not what you think. It's not in the heart of Seattle where it would probably be easy to have a professional rental, but look at the return that this is getting me from learning, knowing, and understanding a new market.
1: Okay. So you could not have answered that question better that's exactly the way I was hoping you were going to answer it, because the point that I want to make with that is that a lot of investors are all about the, the traveling nurse rentals right now. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't understand that a, a um, traveling nurse actually told me this is that buying a brand new, beautiful condo in downtown wherever is probably not going to work because the whole point of the traveling nurse industry is they send them typically to underserved areas. So yeah. it will typically work better in a remote area than, you know, buying the newest, nicest condo and where are right in the middle of a metro area. So uh, I definitely, that's something that I've seen a lot of people be really excited about. And then they're like going really crazy and over-improving these properties that are already luxury because all these magical nurses are going to come in and rent them. But You have to be careful and make sure that you choose your market wisely and don't just assume that there's all these nurses running around wherever you happen to be that need to stay in an over-market rental. So that was a really, really great point. I think that was really, really valuable for everybody listening who wants to get into that space. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the renovations that you do on these. So when you are going to do a medium-term rental for traveling nurses, corporate housing, what have you, are you renovating them to the point of them being luxury, or are you just making them nice places to live?
0: We're making them nice places to live. We will go in and always do new flooring. Hands down, we are gonna be doing, we're taking out, We. I do not put carpet in any form of rental, don't believe in it. I'd rather have something long-term, right? And it's kind of gross. Um, so we'll come in carpet and maybe paint or touch up paint and then we furnish it with all instagram worthy furniture and that's what i call it so when i'm in this this condo that we are using as example is in the tri cities right even that name you're like where is this i make it instagram worthy we have crochet macrame stuff on the walls. We have throw pillows and, and all of that, the leather chair, you know, all of that Instagram worthy. And when you look at my nurse rental on their website versus the others, the grandma condo convert, you know, all those others you want, the nurse wants to stay the nurse. That's my demographic wants to stay in that Instagram worthy, um, spot and that is hands down what we do with every vacation rental we have we have those ocean properties that are all Instagram worthy. We have this swinging, hanging chairs. We have the, the, the lakefront houses with the the little boho flowers everywhere. And every moment has to have an Instagram worthy um, picture because it is absolutely what will set your vacation rental apart on anything else in the market is those little touches. Those Instagram worthy moments is what every single single buyer, I guess is what we'll call them is looking for in this market for sure.
1: How much money do you think you have to spend to make something Instagrammable?
0: So that condo, I spent $4,000 furnished a two bedroom, one bath condo, fully furnished for $4,000. And that is about where we try to be four to six. Um, and depending upon bedrooms, we'll go up to 10. So it cost me $10,000 to furnish my big, uh, it's actually only a two bedroom, but it's a big fourteen hundred square foot, um, single family property on a beach and we spent ten thousand there because we wanted to add all the exterior furniture and all that but my little condo four thousand six thousand sometimes if we do cool wall displays or different things like that but that's kind of we're not looking to spend any more than that and amazon is your friend (laughs) i highly it. I can almost buy everything I need to on Amazon, get it directly shipped to that property, and it's there ready for the crew to set up. So we're almost like a, a, my Airbnb management company, they, they now handle it, but we've worked together as a team to set up Instagram worthy. We trust each other now. And so it looks awesome. When you're looking at our Airbnb profile, what's available, we have the cool green walls with the wood slats and all that fun stuff is up because that's the goal.
1: Okay. So you're saying you don't have to spend 20, dollars dollars 50000 to get something to the point of people wanting to rent it, correct?
0: Correct. Don't spend that much.
1: <laughs> awesome. I think it's really, really easy with those types of projects, any non-long-term. So whether you're doing corporate housing or uh, sh- true short-term rentals, it's really easy to get excited and over-improve a space and spend way too much money on, on stuff that it that doesn't have to have. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that because uh, it's very easy to get caught up and over-improve.
0: Yeah, and I am such a visual person that it, I want it to look amazing. But I'm also, my background is I'm a single mom of two. Like I come from that, like dollars and cents need to add up and at the end of the day this is a math equation my rentals my my flips they are all math equation and if a and b don't equal c the result i want then we need to go back and fix a and b so that math equation needs to work out we the emotional attachment shouldn't be there and it's hard sometimes because you do get you do want to you have so much invested in this especially like your first one but if you take away the emotional attachment, look at it as the math equation, the business equation, and how I get to see the end result is the most important thing.
1: Very, very, very good advice. So let's go back, we touched on this a little bit. So you have 10 STRs, right? Yep. Okay, and those are spread out across how many markets?
0: Um, Those are spread out, almost about let's see five different markets and not including our camp our campsites and rv hookups as well i mean those we have probably about you know uh over 100 campsite hookups in our properties
1: so the investors that you get for your flips do you bring them in on any of your buy and holds uh specifically the strs or are those all you no partners
0: yeah, great question. So we will, but we only bring them in at the front, the burr part. So we'll bring in investors if we need them. So, for instance, the mobile home parks required ext- a lot, a lot of cash. So we'll bring in a short term investor once in a while if we need it. And when we burr out of it or refi out, we Pay them. So they're still in our investor short term mindset. They're still getting our same contracts, or same returns, but we pay them out on the refinance. It's pretty rare, though, that we'll bring an investor in on that. We actually just had a conversation, a business meeting, a conversation about expanding our rental portfolio with bringing in more investors on that side and starting the dialogue of what that investment uh, partnership would look like on a long-term hold where their money is actually held in the property. So we're starting those conversations um, as more investors are coming to us, asking for it. But our strategy right now is that we are trying to own our long, long-term buying holds ourselves as a company.
1: I think that's wise. So how are you choosing the markets that you choose to set up short-term rentals in?
0: Sure. Everything to me, I'm going back to my math equation, is a math equation, is that business metric. So I am in uh, Billings, Montana, which I don't, I'm actually in the the outskirts of Billings, Montana, which I had never been to, don't know it. I'm in the, almost by the Canadian border in Washington and Idaho in the mix there. Don't know that market, never been there. Um, So I always revert back to my numbers, right? So I Go back to my days at auction where I was driving 100 properties comping them and then selling them to investors i am always looking at properties through those eyes so i'll go roll through the numbers ask for actuals right the numbers that are that are sent to you in the deal most of the time aren't actuals ask for actuals run your numbers and then the best the best tools are in your hands zillow rent is there any rentals in that marketplace um facebook who we put up Um, I learned this from the, the company I first bought my first mobile home park, throw up a Facebook marketplace ad for, um, for RV hookups for 30 day RV hookups and see what you get as a test to see what the market can hold and how much money you can bring in before you buy it. And it was brilliant. You know, we had over a hundred hits of new people ready to go hook up their RVs before we even bought it. So doing those little things of finding those niches and then I am, you know, I'm on my, I'm on my phone, which is like now laptops, and I am circling through what businesses, what colleges, what companies are by that market when I'm in a new market. And I just like, I feel like I eat, breathe and sleep it through Google Maps without actually going. So those are like some of the key strategies. But I will also say fear is what what keeps people from going into new markets. You know, um, there, I was listening to this great podcast and Jay-Z was on it. And um, I love listening to greats in the industry. Right. And the podcaster was like, weren't you afraid when you bought the Brooklyn Nets? And he said, I'm not afraid. You're afraid for me. I've ran my numbers. I've looked at it and I'm not afraid and don't spread your fear onto me. And so when you're out there saying, I'm going to go buy a property 30 states away, people are like, oh my gosh, don't do that. But you've looked at your numbers. Don't be in fear and trust the numbers and step out and do it because that's what will differentiate your business.
1: Man, you have had some really great Advice bombs today, so that's also great advice. I've said this like four times over the course of the show. Is not let. I guess Jay Z said it, but you quoted it. Is not letting other people's fear for you because they don't understand what you're doing make you scared. I remember my father-in-law when we bought our second or third
0: property. He goes,
1: "Y'all are gonna go bankrupt." <laughs> I
0: <can't even laughs> tell you How many times I've heard that?
1: No, we're not. That we're no. We would not even come close, even if. Only one property that we had at the time rented like half the time. We would not, and none of the other ones did, we would not go bankrupt. It's just run your numbers, have confidence in yourself and your ability to choose what's right for you and not what scares other people. If other people are scared of it, then it's probably a good idea. In my opinion, don't take, don't go do anything stupid and say Avery said, but (laughs) typically I found in my life when other people are scared of things, I'm typically on the right track.
0: Mm, Great point, right? If we don't ever step out, then we can't create new markets and we can't create new paths for our companies, right? You have to step out. You have to go beyond your comfort zone or else you will stay in the mush is what I call it. And we don't want to live in the mush. We want to live in the forefront.
1: Exactly. Great, great advice. So coming towards the end of the show, I could have you on again. We need to have a part two because there's still a lot of stuff I want to dive into. But last three questions of the show in the vein of giving advice. First question, what advice would you give 20-year-old Chandra?
0: Wow, right? If I could go back. But I will say I wish, and I'm sure everybody has given this advice, I wish I bought any, any, any property when I was 20 years old. I don't even care if it was a condo. I don't care if it was with five friends. I wish 20 years ago I had bought my first property and done whatever I could have to do that. And so any advice I give out there is buy your first property. I'm going to add a second on there. I think my second would be that I live in my truth now. And I know that because my past, my history, when I trust my gut and my truth is when I am the most successful in life. And so I always circle back to that. So I guess it's two point. Buy real estate now and then trust your gut and your instinct.
1: Great advice. And along those same lines, what advice would you give a new investor getting started today? And today, guys, is end of March 2022. So we definitely have some things going on geopolitically and then also with interest rates rising. So there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, I I wanna get started, but I'm scared. So what advice do you have for those people?
0: Um, So I'm excited because I get to talk about a book too. One of my favorite books that I read and probably transformed my mindset was Strength Finders. And it's actually not like this big, huge point, point, point book, but the premise of the book is to focus in on your strengths I came from kind of this corporate America you know I talked about Nike a little bit um, where you do like strength and weaknesses charts and what's your weakness and you try to build those weaknesses but this book talks about and I'm going back to my awesome analogies, it types about Michael Jordan and how Michael Jordan honed in on his strength and became the best at what he does. And that revolutionized my mindset. I said, I don't care about my weaknesses at all. I'm going to hone in on my strengths and be the Michael Jordan of what my strengths are. And the moment my mindset changed into honing in on my strengths is when my business absolutely took off. My confidence level took off. And I didn't apologize for my weaknesses anymore. I said, nope, these are my strengths. And this is why you need to work with me. This is why you need to give me capital. These are the things that I'm killing in the marketplace. And that advice is what I would recommend. Focus in on your strengths and be the best at it. Do your reps, do it over and over and over and over again. So you can be the Michael Jordan of that.
1: Great advice, and you also preempted my last question, which is, what is your favorite book that has impacted your mindset? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, actually, there there is one of my favorite books. It's called The Awakened Woman, and this was an, uh, this was on Oprah Oprah Winfrey's reading list, and I love autobiographies, and it's one of the most powerful stories of this woman who grew up in, in Africa, and it's about her telling her story and the power of your story and what she's overcome now. And she's got a PhD and she's got this incredible story. But what I've learned from that book and the message I try to share is that there's so much power in your story. You'd be like, Oh, I haven't gone through anything. But there is power in what you have done and what you've gone through. And that book I think revolutionized me not only as a woman, but in the power of my story and being okay with sharing it and sowing that seed and watching that grow. It's the whole point of the book. It's amazing.
1: Okay. So two great book recommendations there, the awakened woman and strength finders. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chandra, thank you so, so much for coming on. I'm going to keep up with you and see what you're doing because you're, you're doing a lot of cool things and you've come a really long way and, uh, I'm excited for, for your future.
0: Oh man. Thank you so much. And I, I'm always <laughs> keep my eye on you, Avery. I love, you. <laughs> I love all your podcasts. I, I have scribbled notes and notes and notes, um, as I'm listening to all your, uh, podcasts and all your great tips. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Well, we will catch you next time. Thanks again for coming on.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys.